Fight Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening. Thank you for joining the Lockdown Avalanche podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. We are in full swing with training camp and... That's what we're going to be talking about, and we will probably be talking about that until we get some games. It's good to not kind of be focused on this coronavirus stuff and talk about things that are going on on the ice, and that's Avalanche practice, which we've never been so excited to get, but we have it. So we're going to talk about uh, a lot of what's going on in this kind of mini training camp going on, and some more awards are getting thrown around for uh, the Colorado Avalanche. So, first things first, follow the show. Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. Follow on Instagram. Just search for Lockdown Avalanche. And send your questions, comments, concerns, opinions, anything that's on your mind with the return to play or the Avalanche or what you think uh, their lines should be, who should be, who or who might be cut in the last minute which is all the stuff we're going to talk about today. Send all that to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. All right, so why not start with our all-star player, our superstar player, Nathan McKinnon. First of all, he's obviously excited. If you are following what's going on in the training camp, or if you're not following that stuff, uh, he is... He has hit the ice running. He is he's ready to go. And you ex- would expect that from somebody of his caliber. If you're seeing like these clips and if you're reading um, articles from, from writers that are there at practice, they are saying he is absolutely no nonsense. He is, he is on everybody. He is drawing nonstop. Uh, he does not want to have a slow start to this postseason because this is not the season. This is not a regular season where you can get off to a slow start and then have the entirety of the season to catch back up. You got to come out of the gates hot, and it seems like Nathan McKinnon is making sure everybody is aware of that. And uh, there is an article on NHL.com where he, he doesn't really... When he talks to the media, he's very calm, cool, and collected, but he says the right things, and he's saying... Things like, you know, we we have a, a great team and we have a great opportunity and we need to seize it. Uh, he feels good about where the team is. He's happy with how they're practicing right now. But when you read between the lines and that stuff, he's basically saying, we got to get our stuff together. I feel like we do. Um, and we can't have that downtime. So, uh, yeah, we, even though even though Gabe Landeskog is our captain and I am sure he is on people too. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, rest assured, Avalanche fans, is making sure this team will be ready. And on top of that, he was uh, named for another award. So this makes two so far. First, he was up for the Ted Lindsay Award. And if you listened to the show that came out Wednesday when I had Nikki Erickson on, we were talking about that, about would he rather the Ted Lindsay over the heart, the heart has not been named yet. I think we would all expect that he will be a finalist for the heart. But which one would he rather? 
uh, we never even spoke about McKinnon being up for the Lady Bing Award. And he is. So those came out. Now it's yesterday. Uh, those, The finalists for that came out. And McKinnon was uh, a, he's a finalist, which I got to say kind of shocked me a little bit. Uh, it's between Ryan O'Reilly, who I feel like is nominated for this almost every year. And then Austin Matthews, which is kind of a controversial finalist, if you ask me, which I won't get into because this is an avalanche show. Maybe go over to Locked On Maple Leafs if uh, they're they're and see their take on it. It'd be interesting to see. But uh, Nathan McKinnon was a shock. But when you look at the definition of the award, that's... I'm going to get the official translation for you here. Uh, The award is given out to, quote, the player adjudged to have exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly play and conduct. And... Kind of the barometer I've always felt with the Lady Bing is penalty minutes. If you are low in penalty minutes, there's a good chance you'll be up for the Lady Bing. And I have looked at Nathan McKinnon's stats many times in just doing this show. Um, and I typically gloss over penalty minutes for him. And I was genuinely surprised that he only had 12 penalty minutes this past season. He plays hard. He does not hold back. He is not afraid to mix it up. Um, And for him to only have 12 penalty minutes kind of surprised me. I thought he'd have a little bit more than that. And if you're going off of that metric, Ryan O'Reilly, who is always low in penalty minutes, had 10. And Austin Matthews had 8. So, you know, if that's your, your metric, okay, three guys that are low in penalty minutes. Uh, But I've always thought that this also is, you know, when you have terms like sportsmanship and gentlemanly play uh, and all of the off-ice issues that Austin Matthews had during an off-season, last off-season, maybe a little bit of a surprise that he was put in there. But uh, for, for Nathan McKinnon, would you... I would, I guess, yes, he, he, he's incredibly sportsmanlike and would he be gentlemanly? Cause he can, he, sometimes he lays into the refs is warranted, not saying he's wrong, uh, but he can really let the refs have it. And you know, sportsmanship. Yes, because he's not, he's not taking cheap shots at anybody and stuff like that. Uh, but there, there were times, remember when. Oh, who was this against? I want to say for some reason it was against... Oh, I, I can't remember the team. But Nazem Kadri was getting kicked out of the fa- the face-off circle over and over and over again at the towards the end of the game. I can't remember who that was against. If you remember, just let me know. And one of the last times, I think there was like, you know, 12 seconds left or something like that, and it happened again where he got kicked out. And Nathan McKinnon just took his stick and used it like a baseball bat and whacked it up against the boards. Which is, I love it. He's got, he's got a chip on his shoulder. So that's why it's surprising to me that he was given this award because I feel like this is for the players like Orion O'Reilly that goes about his business, doesn't ruffle any feathers. And McKinnon does to his credit. Not, I'm not down putting, putting that down at all. 
Uh, but again, I think the the number one metric here is penalty minutes. So by that, they put him in there. Now, could he win this? Sure, he's a finalist. He could win it. I think it's probably going to go Ryan O'Reilly's way, which it tends to. But this will make three, at least, awards that Nathan McKinnon will be up for because we know he's going to be a finalist for the heart. So... How many does he win? Does he win one, two, all three? It'll always be interesting to see. And since uh, our last show, um, it was also announced, and everybody probably was aware of this, and it's no shock to anybody that Kale McCarr obviously was up for the Rookie of the Year award. So let the debate continue of who deserves it more, Quinn Hughes or... Arkale McCarr. And where your allegiance lies with your team is pretty much where you're going to go. So, but I, I really think everything that you see, even when you see like these mock analysts giving their awards out, almost everyone I've seen is going Kale McCarr's route. So, and I, I like this stuff because it's been a while since the Avalanche have really been noticed in the award ceremonies been a while and uh you know when you're a smaller market team to have multiple winners you you would have to think mckinnon's gonna win something could he get completely shut out sure anything is possible uh but having guys that are up for all these awards i really think bednar got the shaft not not getting coach of the year for jack adams i really think that was overlooked because you want to give Nathan Kennan all the credit in the world for carrying this team on his shoulders when they didn't have, you know, when they were basically injured the entire season, rightfully so. Why does Jared Bednar not get as much credit? So what are you going to do? All right. So quick little break. When we come back, we will be talking about the goalie situation. And again, uh, Nikki and I touched on this in our discussion on Wednesday. But uh, this is something, one of the the many storylines that um, are being watched by the fans and, of course, by the coaches. Uh, but it might be maybe the number one story, I would say, this or Bo Byram and how where he's going to wind up. But we're going to talk about the, uh, the goalie situation right after this. All right, so when it comes to the NFL and you're in training camp, kind of the, the one position everybody's looking at if there is a competition to be had is obviously quarterback when it's not known who is going to be the starter that just gets focused on and overanalyzed to the nth degree and until we get a winner and then when you get a winner he's on a short leash or at least in the media's eyes he is and nobody's ever happy and if the guy who was given the starting job doesn't do well after like one week there, everybody wants to question if that was the right move and should they make a move already? And it's, it's the over analyzing of football, which drives me crazy. The Avalanche have somewhat of a quarterback controversy, and it's not really a controversy. And when you talk to the, the two players, when you talk to the coaches, they kind of say the same thing, like, we're just fine no matter which direction we go. And the goalies themselves, being Pablo Franzos and Philip Grubauer, seem to be just fine in whoever is going to take 
the the first game as a starter. And I think it's because they know both of them are going to be playing. This is not, this is a the best problem air quotes problem to have going into the playoffs because you it's almost like and I keep using football analogies but in football you you don't rely on one running back anymore you need multiple running backs to come in the game is too rough you know they say in the trenches like the, the that one running back cannot carry the workload uh day week in and week out like they used to and the same really goes if you can do it if you can pull it off for playoff hockey a lot of teams are not in the situation that the Colorado Avalanche are in. And some people want to say, like, well, it's going to be a difficult decision. Sure, it's going to be a difficult decision, but that's good. It's a difficult decision because you have two guys that are capable. The layoff is the kind of like the fly in the ointment here because we don't know who's going to have the hot hand. And this season was a season of hot hands between these two. And the last one to have that hot hand was Pavel Francos, and he needed to because the Avalanche had no choice when Philip Grubauer went out with an injury. It was Francos or nothing. And he just, he he brought it. Um, I'm going to bring up his stats here, which are, are impre- his, his stats for the entire year were impressive. People were calling for him to be the flat-out starter even when Grubauer was healthy. So, Francois started 12 of 13 games. This is coming off of uh, an NHL.com article about the two, which is a very good article. So, Francois started 12 of the last 13 games before the pause um, as Grubauer dealt with, dealt with that body lower body injury. He was 8-2-2, two, two, a .919 save percentage, and a 2.37 goals against average. And... That was pretty much how he did for the whole season. He was he was that good. To kind of recap his stats for the season, 21-7-4 with a 9-2-3 save percentage and a 2.41 goals against average. So he was he was great. And he, he I said Kind of, if you go back and listen to those shows in, in, in you know, November and March, I would have rode him. And, and and I think Grubauer was more, both of them had their ups and downs. I think Grubauer had more ups and downs than Francois. But, here's the big but. What Grubauer did last year still holds weight. Because he turned it on from March until the end of the season, right into the playoffs. And that, and if, you know, we want to go back and talk about that, that was between him and Varlamov and who was going to take it. They're going back and forth all year. And then it was just Grubauer hands down. So that got him the starting job. They got, they got rid of Varlamov and, you know, the rest is history. So that holds weight. What you do in the playoffs holds weight. So that's a whole nother, again, quote, problem that the Avalanche have to kind of figure out. So here's the thing. I, I, the Avalanche love Grubauer. They traded for him. They've given him 
all the opportunity in the world to to really just flat out own this starting role, which I don't think he's completely done. He hasn't. He's never completely shut the door on Francois and kind of just hammering hammering his fist down, saying, "I am the the starter." But they keep giving him opportunities. It's not like he's he's awful. He's not. He he's very very capable and very very good. He finished the regular season 18, 12, and 4, 0.916 save percentage, and a 2.63 goals against average. So compared those to Francois, you know, little bit worse stats for Grubauer. So again, but we're going into the playoffs, and that's a whole other animal. So what I think is probably going to happen is the Avalanche are going to give the starting nod to Grubauer. But because Francois is so capable, uh, that leash is going to be short. And it's, you know, if he's having a horrible game, obviously you're going to pull him out. But if he's making it through full games and the Avalanche are winning games four to three, five to four, and they're relying on outscoring teams, you might see a change. You might see them throw Francois in there for a game or two to see how he does and if he has the high hand. Now, if Grubauer is lights out and he's playing fantastic, you still will see Francois just in a keep Grubauer fresh. It'll just be in a, a relief mode to kind of give. And if, you know, if the Avalanche are up uh, and it's obviously going to be a seven game series, whatever round they're playing in, if the Avalanche are up two to nothing, uh, you might see him, not not in the game, in the series, obviously. You might see Francois come in for a game. If they're up three to nothing, you could probably, I don't want to say guarantee he'll come in, but maybe he does. Because you don't have to play the law of averages when it comes to home ice. That's not in play here. That doesn't matter. So you don't have to play the one guy who is better on the road as compared to better at home. None of that matters. It's just where are we in the series if we're up three games to nothing and Grubauer's doing great, give him a night off. If he's struggling and they're losing, that uh, that answer is obvious. If he's struggling and they're winning, you give him a break. You, you spell him and you bring in Francois and see how he does. So this there, there is no wrong answer here for who gets the starting nod uh, when, when we finally get to this round robin thing. And that might be, that's a good thing that the Avalanche are in this round robin thing because sure, those games mean something. They're for seeding. Um, they don't mean anything for home advantage, like I said. But those are meaningful slash exhibition games. Not 50 50. I'm not trying to make them seem like they're exhibition games, but you will, when it comes to like a guy like Grubauer you'll get a really good sense of where he is in those three games. If he's not playing well, again, go back to the those all those three possibilities. If he's not playing well and they win a couple of those, maybe they go two and one, maybe you start Francois when that first round comes around. I don't know. You, you have uh, many different options you can go with. None of them are bad. Because Grubauer can play well, Francois can play well, and whoever is in that net, 
the guys that are playing in front of them have confidence. So uh, I would definitely go and check out that article on NHL.com. The two of them are, are, are kind of feeling the same way. They're feeling like we're just fine. We'll, we'll, this will figure itself out. Um, and the line that I really like, where is it? Grubauer said, I don't think there's a competition between Frankie and me. He said it too. It's a competition between the Colorado Avalanche and whoever we face. That's maybe the perfect quote. It's not a competition between your own guy. It's a competition between who you're playing on the other side of the ice. I love it. Okay, and finally, everybody wants to know roster. The Avalanche are incredibly deep. Uh, So many players are coming out saying, like, man, like, we really have a shot here. And like we were talking about in the last segment with the goalies and having that, quote, problem, uh, there's another problem, and that's just the rest of the roster. And the eyes are on Bo Byram. Don't think he's going to be a part of this team when the games fire up, which is fine. He's getting some some good quality practice and kind of getting around the guys and getting to know them. They're getting to know him. So I, I don't think Bo Byram is going to be a, a part of these playoffs. And obviously the other one is Tyson Jost. And they've had three days of practice, four days of practice. And there's been one day where Tyson Jost has been in the top 12. So all those other days he's been, I guess, listed on the depth chart as 13th, which just misses out. Now, the the lines that they've been, the lines are getting mixed and matched in practice. But the lines that I am seeing that are kind of the most consistent are top line, Burkowski, McKinnon, and Rantanen. Second line, Landeskog, Kadri, and Nachuskin. Third line, Komfer, Nemetstikov, and Donskoy. Fourth line, Nieto, Belmar, and Calvert. And then the defense is pretty much what you think it is. Um, so the the couple things that, that stand out, obviously they've broken up the McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog line, which they've done in the past, so it's not a, a complete shock. But Landeskog, it's, reports are that most of his time is spent with that second line with Kadri Nachuskin. I think that is fine. I think that is a solid, solid second line. And again, even Nachuskin, reports coming out from him that he looks just as good, if not better, now in, in training camp than he did during the season. And he was that diamond in the rough that the Avalanche find, found, took a shot on, and that has paid off. I mean, just think about that line. Landeskog, big, bruising guy. Kadri, big, bruising guy. Nachuskin, huge, bruising guy. Well, I should say bruising guy. But he can, he will give you, he'll give it back to you. And he is a tall drink of water. Um that's a great, great line. And I think putting Burkowski up there with McKinnon and Rantanen, that is offense personified. That is that is snipers across the line. Um, if that doesn't get you excited, 
you're not an Avalanche fan. So then it fills out Comfer, Nemetskov, and Donskoy is a very solid line, I feel. Um, and then that fourth line is obviously Nieto, Belmar, Calvert. Belmar and Calvert, I think, are shoe-ins. Um, I think this comes down to Nieto and Jost. And, and, and right now, Jost is on the outside looking in. Could that change? Absolutely. Um, if it doesn't change, you would have to think that's the writing on the wall for Tyson Jost. As much as, you know, they... And then people might kind of be up in arms. Well, they could have traded him. I mean, they can still do that next year. But um, if you're telling him a top 10 pick, a, what is he, 22 years old, um, you know, you're going to have to sit this one out. And who knows what's going to happen in the offseason. Things could happen. They could make some moves that don't include him and he's still on the team and he might come back into the lineup. But this could fire him up as well. And if he's a professional, it should fire him up. Should fire, be firing him up right now every time he takes the ice in practice to get back up into uh, that top 12. So it remains to be seen. And that that that's where my eyes are at right now. Because I think we all, we all like Tyson Jones. We all know what he's capable of. And this just goes to show you that it doesn't really matter what you were doing at the end of the season when they came into you know the uh, the league suspension because he was playing great. He really was. He was playing the best hockey of his season right when the season was suspended. And now look. And now he's on the verge of not making this roster. So he's a professional, though. I think he's going to fight it out. Uh, it could change. Who knows what happened today in practice? He might be, you know, number 12 and taking some reps reps with the fourth line. But I think no matter what, I think if, if those are the last two guys between Yeto and Jost. I still think that fourth line is is more than capable because of Belmar and Calvert. I love the way Calvert plays. So uh, regardless of who that third person is on that fourth line, we're good. We're good. But it's just a, a personal thing where, you, you know, being as he was drafted by the Avalanche and he was a number 10 pick and so much was really expected of him, uh, to be on the outside looking in would definitely be a blow to his ego, but I don't think it would stop him. I think it would just uh, fire him up even more. So if we get anything new on any of this stuff with, uh, you know, any line changes in practice, how things are looking in practice, any other awards that happen to come out when the, I don't know when the heart, obviously they announced that one last, but uh, when, when McKinnon, when McKinnon gets to be a finalist for that, we'll obviously talk about that and so many other things because, we can talk about hockey now. We don't have to talk about a virus. Yay. So that'll be it for today and this week. And like I said, Monday, back to five days a week, Monday through Friday, to kind of get ready for this first exhibition game against Minnesota. And then I think that's the only one that they're doing. I believe it's the only one they're doing, but who knows? doesn't matter. We're getting hockey back. So five days a week starting next week. See you guys next week. Stay safe. Here's Joby. Go, Abs, go.